Welcome to Empower to Grow, the podcast. I'm your host, Hanan Basha, the business doctor. Following our conversations with empowered women who woke up one day and consciously claimed, I am more than enough. I am worthy. I am empowered to grow. And along their empowering journey towards realizing their own potential and their quest for growth, they became a beacon of hope and guidance for others. May you also find your inner power to grow. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Empower to Grow. I'm super excited about this episode because I have my first relationship expert, Laura Doyle. She, well, New York Times bestseller, uh, podcaster, um, relation, well, expert coach on all things relationships and especially about um, women in relationship. And of course, uh, the first thing that crossed my mind, her podcast is Empowered Wife. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> we have to do this. And I have to talk to Laura a bit deeper and a, and a lot more about everything that she does. Laura, thank you so much for being here and welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Hanan. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Okay, so I always start with this question, empowered to grow. What does that mean to you? And how does this phrase resonate with you? Well, I love the word empowered, obviously, <laughs> obviously, <laughs> as I chose ever my podcast as well. And I, I think for me, um, it really goes back to, um, I, I, I guess in my prior life, my older life, where I didn't feel empowered at all, I felt like a victim. And I mm -hmm. felt that uh, things were happening to me yes. uh, that I couldn't control. Mm -hmm. And so uh, for me, the magic of feeling empowered starts with uh, becoming accountable, uh, looking at my side of the street and what I can clean up about it. Mm -hmm. Even if it feels like that's only 10% of the problem and yeah. the other 90% is outside of my control, maybe someone else's side of the street, yes. uh, just cleaning up that 10%, uh, maybe not just empowered, but gave me superpowers mm -hmm. to create the kind of world that I want to have the kind of experience that I want to have. Oh, I love that. And, um, I, I told you, you talk my language. I think you've used a few phrases I use over and over again. It's it's really being empowered for me is really about recognizing, well, coming to the awareness and then recognizing and doing something about what's in our control versus what's out of our control. And as you said, I think a lot of the times we fall victim to just everything's happening to me and there's nothing I can do and it's all outside of my hands. And we're literally handing over the power to others to control how we feel and how we act in life. And um, so, yeah, I told you, speak our language. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are peas in a pod. I do feel exactly. that. <laughs> so you're empowered to grow and you do empower others to grow. Would you share a bit more about your story, please? Well, sure. <laughs> it did start with me being very, very victimized and on by yeah. my <laughs> husband, mm -hmm. um, who, I mean, I was very happy and excited to marry him. But a few years later, I thought, this is not going right. He's not paying much attention to me. He just watches TV and he's not ambitious enough. He doesn't make enough money and he's um, not cleaning up and helping out around the house as much as he should. And yeah. so we we're having a lot of conflict and I thought, well, I know what to do. Everyone knows what to do. You go yeah. to marriage counseling mm -hmm. and then the counselor will fix him. And then I can finally be happy because that's how it works. Yeah. Not really, yeah. but I didn't know that at the time. I really thought that that was going to help. And one thing I did learn at marriage counseling was that, um, 
I was being uh, too helpful, let's say, kind of controlling. I remember the counselor saying that. And I thought, you know, like the record player's like, whoa, whoa, you know, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm like, I'm oh. on time out. <laughs> I'm out. Hold on, this, we're getting off track. Yeah. So, but I remember thinking, like, okay, well, how do I stop, you know, being controlling? Because I'm the only one that's being responsible for things around here, you know, paying the bills and making sure the cars are maintained and cleaning up, you know, making sure that all the adult responsibilities are done. So if I stop doing that, like then, you know, what's going to happen? And, uh, and I remember she just said, oh yeah, just, you know, stop being so controlling. And that wasn't, I didn't know what to do. That didn't help me at all. And so, um, but I remember we just kind of kept going to marriage counseling and I remember I was sitting on her couch when I thought, okay, you know what, this marriage is hopeless. I'm either going to have to get divorced or I'm going to spend the rest of my life in a loveless marriage because he's never going to change. Mm -hmm. I decided I would get divorced, but there was just one problem. And that was that uh, I was too embarrassed to get divorced. Oh, Mm -hmm. my friends had been to that wedding not too long ago, my family. (laughs) So um, it's a last ditch effort. I thought I'm going to ask women who have what I want, like a happy marriage for their secrets. And Mm -hmm. um, the things they said, oh my gosh, they didn't even make sense to me. I thought, what are you talking about? (laughs) But I was so desperate. uh, And necessity is the mother of invention. So I thought I'm going to experiment with these ideas. And then Mm -hmm. if it works, I'll keep them. And if it doesn't, then I'll just throw them out. And I remember I'd been doing that for not very long. And uh, at my house, we'd had mostly hostility, wall-to-wall hostility, and mm-hmm. or we'd have these cold wars where there was no talking at all for yeah, days. But the passive-aggressive ones. <laughs> That's right, the passive-aggressive fights. And uh, so anyway, I, I'd been tr- experimenting with these uh, suggestions, and I came through the door, and my husband's face lit up. He was happy to see me again, That's and that had been gone. Yeah. Thought, wow, this something's working here. Like I would better keep doing this because, and, and he was really, uh, it felt like he had changed. It was kind of crazy. Um, but really I had changed and he was responding to me better. And, uh, so I thought, well, good, then this, I'll, I'll be able to have a good marriage after all. And, uh, but the problem was, uh, I couldn't keep doing the things that I had learned. They Mm. weren't that hard, but they were just new. And I kind of reverted back to my old habits. So I remember we were driving in the car again after that. And we had this huge fight, terrible. I was saying horrible things. He was saying horrible things. And I thought, oh, I was really uh, crushed because I thought this wasn't going to happen again. And then it happened again. And so then I had the idea like, okay, if I could get other women to do this with me, these experiments I was doing maybe that would help them stick. And so I got a little support group in my living room of five of us. And uh, we were having miracles. It was crazy. I remember one woman said her husband won the sales contest at work and took her on the most romantic getaway of their lives. And another one said, well, this doesn't sound like much, but we've been bickering for months about painting the, him painting the family room. And he got up and painted the family room and he did it with a smile. So that <laughs> felt like a miracle to her. Exactly. And so, we, yeah, we realized like we are onto something. And one of the women said, can you write down what we're doing? My cousin in Florida wants to know, cause she's miserable in her marriage too. 
And so I did start writing things down and that became my first book, which became a New York Times bestseller published in 19 languages and 30 countries. It was all accidental, right? I just wanted to save my marriage. <laughs> and um, now there's this worldwide movement of women who practice the six intimacy skills, uh, which are all about becoming an empowered wife. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I think that is the essence of it. I speak of the, the positive impact ripple effect. It's about, you have to start with yourself. And because I've realized that too, again, as you said, I, I went from victim mentality, resenting, not feeling any, any feelings of self-worth and negative self-talk or all of that until one day I, I switched and it started for me, started with a coaching session. And then it started with like, okay, I need to listen to positive things. I need to change the way I think. And that's, entailed it changed the way I um, acted and that I could feel it with my husband and our son that that was resonating and it was resonating with my sisters and then with my friends and now that's all I could talk about but even though I don't I don't do it on purpose it's just like you know it's that ripple impact effect and it starts with us and that's why I advocate a lot for like my slogan is empowered you empowers others and it doesn't have to be deliberately. It just happens by, by, by that resonating effect. It's really true. It becomes your essence, right? Is this exactly. empowerment? And it also came with um, a lot more focus on how I was showing up, right? Yes. I, I wasn't the perfect wife that mm-hmm. I thought that I had been. Yeah. And um, once I started learning the new skills, I got to say, I didn't miss hearing the shrieking, nagging, uh, controlling (laughs) wife that I had been before. It's much more pleasant to Mm -hmm. be around this version of me. So it was almost like my marriage was a a laboratory, a prism where I went on this self-improvement program that, and, uh, towards becoming my best self and, uh, that you're right. Being your best self does impact everyone around you. They respond to you so much better. And you're actually calling them to be their best selves as well, which is far more powerful. I mean, used to tell my husband how he could be better all the time. And that just didn't help at all. It doesn't work. No, it it doesn't work from inside, I think. And it's really just about that. It's about wanting to do it yourself rather than someone outside telling you, you have to do this and you must do this and you should be doing this. And that creates a resistance within us. It's like, I won't do that. (laughs) That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think especially husbands, maybe they just really resist being told what to do, being managed like an employee. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, I mean, no one likes that. No one really wants to feel managed, but oh my gosh, I, I couldn't control him, but I found out that my influence is. I think uh, that's the superpower you were talking about. It is. The yes. Influence. It is. Yes. The influence because it's like you are doing and then others are just seeing. So accordingly, they want to do like you rather than just saying. And I know I was stuck in that loop for too long. I was just like preaching. I was on my soapbox for so long. And yet when I like looked inside and kind of really um, did my self-analysis and my self-reflection without being negative and without being too critical, just like really a snapshot, what's happening and how can I make, I, I tell our son now, um, just be the best version of yourself as possible. Just that, that's my aims, just every day to be a better version of myself today than I was yesterday. And not to be critical of the me of yesterday because, well, I, I did the best that I can with what I know and what I had. 
Yes. Yeah. And yeah, as soon as you know better, you do better, but exactly. that's part of what we're here to do, right? Is all this yep. learning yeah. all these uh, things that can really transform our lives. Sure. So from yeah. that perspective, what advice would you impart on your 19 year old self? <laughs> I go back and talk to her a lot. So that's a okay, good question. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Please share I mean, some I'm, of that conversation with us. Yeah. You know, I, um, so, and like you, I didn't know any better, right? I didn't, uh, my parents are divorced yeah. and, uh, that was my role model for what mm -hmm. a marriage should look like. I was following a failed recipe and I was getting the same results yeah. that dear old mom got, unfortunately. So, and, and yet, uh, I really thought that all the things I was doing in my early marriage, like helping my husband be more ambitious and yeah. dress better and eat healthier. I really thought that was part of what a wife should do. This was how you be a good wife. Uh, and of course it doesn't, it doesn't really take any courage. It doesn't take any humility to preach, to tell yeah. someone else what to do. Right. And it actually is pretty repelling and it doesn't cause transformation in mm -hmm. you or the other person. So I think one of the, the biggest things that I would want to go back and say to my 19 year old self is just to acknowledge how very scared she was and say, I know, gosh, you are terrified. Yeah. And I, I can see why, you know, and uh, just give her a big hug, first of all, yeah. <laughs> because what I've since um, discovered is that at the root of all control, the urge to control is fear. Yes. If I'm not afraid, I'm going to have to wait longer or pay more or be lonely uh, or not get enough sleep. You know, I don't have to try to control uh, and control and intimacy are opposite. So if I want the intimacy, I'm going to have to give up the inappropriate control. And if I want to be in control, well, then the intimacy is going to go. Yeah. So I always get the choice, but they're like light and dark, those uh, opposites. So I think I would have, I would love to go back and just say, you're very afraid and I can see why, and here's a hug. And um, I'm going to invite you to choose your faith over your fear as much as you can. And then I'd want to give her instructions on how to do that. Cause I like things to be very practical. Yeah, me too. I wanted step-by-step instructions. <laughs> like I couldn't just, you know, I would read books and say, just love yourself. And I'm like, how do I do that? Do I just exactly. give me a guide. Give me, <laughs> give me a, I want specific instructions. And so that's what the six intimacy skills are for me. I would love to hand myself my book right before I got married, but the very specific, I know if I did them or if I didn't do them, they're not so, um, amorphous that I can't tell. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, I kind of, I think I did that. I think I loved myself today. No, I know that if I, <laughs> yeah, if I did, I had to do at least three things a day, uh, was one of my things, uh, for, um, just my own happiness, yeah. just frivolous fun. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's been a, a practice I've had for many years. Now I have a list of 20 things that bring me joy. Uh, so that was, that's the indispensable first step, uh, to having an intimate, passionate, peaceful relationship was making myself happy. Cause turns out only We're happy people have happy relationships Yes, <laughs> and happy is not happy. selfish. Self-love is not, no, <laughs> it's not, no, 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 yeah. no, yeah. it isn't. In fact, in some ways pretty selfish to just be resentful and miserable all the time <laughs> and that's where that's I was living yeah yeah but I but then again as, as you said it was how we were conditioned and how like the examples we saw around us like for me it was never marriage was not really a happy place to be it was a kind of a should be it's a it's something an item on the checklist 
you get married, you have kids and stuff. It's nothing about being happy or being kind of in synergy and synchronized. No, no, you just, you know, you have to have this bickering relationship that is just, and, and for same here, it, it took forever to kind of figure things out for ourselves. And um, I'm, I'm blessed that my husband as well was, was on board in that. I mean, I, I say the first 10 years of our marriage don't really count. <laughs> I don't like me okay. when I say that, but I kind of say it a lot. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. we've been married 18 and a half years now. So I'm like, mm. then I think that's where we started transitioning into a life partnership. And let's see, like, you know, let's merge our paths and let's merge our vision and let's work together towards something. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think we're not conditioned that way. We were not raised Mm -hmm. that way in that sense. It's really true. I think about even just uh, the very specific practices that I've since um, been very conscious about uh, that I, I really wasn't introduced to growing up. And I think a lot of women aren't like, uh, I have this really embarrassing story of my husband taking me to Hawaii when we were just pretty newly together. And, uh, I remember being really excited because we were going to go to the beach on the first day I thought. And so we woke up that morning and I said, Oh, instead of saying what I wanted, what I desired, I said, Hey, what do you, what do you think we should do today? Or what do you want to do? And he said, well, let's, let's go see a volcano. I think that'd be fun. Yeah. I was like, a volcano, <laughs> huh? Okay. By that, well, I don't want to cause a conflict here. So I'm just going to go along and we'll see the volcano. And I guess we'll go to the beach later or whatever. So uh, we're driving in the rental car and you don't see a volcano for a long time. You're just driving around and you see little uh, molten rocks on the yeah. side. It's not very interesting. <laughs> so I started to get kind of upset Yeah. and um, he realized he was like, is something wrong? And I'm like, did you think this would be fun? Because I don't think it's fun. I think it's really stupid. You didn't even ask me what I wanted to do, but I wanted to go to the beach instead of driving around in a stupid car. So he saw a volcano, all right. <laughs> not the kind that he was. Not the kind you pay money to go and visit. No, but... <laughs> not that kind. All I knew was he took me to Hawaii for this romantic getaway. Exactly. Right? And here I am like raging at him in the car. And do you know what he did after that? He took me to the beach even after I behaved so badly, because it turns out he just wanted me to be happy, but I hadn't expressed my desire and I had no concept. I felt so sad really for that younger version of me speaking of 19 year old me, I think I was 21. So, um, I didn't know how to express my desires. And if you can't say what you want, you're never going to get what you want. That's true. Uh, so I'm happy to say I've since developed a formula that I think is really powerful for expressing your desires in a way that inspires him, uh, that, uh, that I use now. And it was funny. I mean, for a lot of years I struggled. I remember saying to my husband, John, this kitchen looks like a disaster area. And I thought he was going to jump off the couch and then start cleaning that kitchen. That just never happened, Hanan. I don't know why, but anyway, it never did. And so, I guess you um, now, but <laughs> yeah. So I thought I was expressing a desire. I thought he would know what I wanted, but I wasn't. I was just complaining. Yeah. I have a theory that uh, men can't even hear us. Maybe no one can hear us when we're complaining, right? He just heard yeah. John, blah, 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 right? So, um, so finally I learned this new formula to express my desires and it's just, I, I use this phrasing it's, I would love, and then I say the final outcome that I would love. And yeah. so there's no you or control or who has to do it or how it has to get done. 
So I, I finally got this download and I said to him, um, I would love a clean kitchen. John, I would love a clean kitchen. And he goes, okay, I'll clean it. And he did with a smile. And he's been doing it ever since. And that's oh, been about 20 years. <laughs> I never do the dishes now. Never. He always does it. And my kitchen's always spotless. He's like happy to do it because he knows it contributes to his family, to me, to my happiness. Exactly. Uh, and that's a high priority to him. That's amazing. So, okay, let's, let's take a kind of a, a ride into the future. What would you like your 90 year old self to thank you for? <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um, that her, I haven't talked to as much. I guess I'll have to go and visit my, that future self. I usually yeah. talk to one a year out or five years out, but 90, I haven't thought about her. So, well, I think I would, um, yeah, well, I would be incredibly grateful to her that, uh, she stayed married. You know, I, I almost divorced him and, uh, today I'm married to the man of my dreams. He, I have, this cup of tea here. He just brought this to me. He's oh, like, yeah, how's your tea situation? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he makes bedroom eyes at me now and he grabs me at the waist and pulls me in for a kiss when I'm just walking down the hall and we have a lot of fun. We laugh and very playful around here. And, uh, I almost threw that all away. So, and now I've been married for 30, we'll celebrate 32 years oh, this year. And, right. um, yeah, so, uh, well, thank I, you I really, for sticking around and changing things around changing yeah. you actually changing me uh, that's really all I did and then it did seem like he changed let me just say but <laughs> I think he just was not at his best when he was getting nagged and shrieked at a lot so yeah, yeah so I'm grateful about that that's great that I found okay. a way so you're on a stage and you're talking to tens of thousands of women and it's about being empowered to grow what would be that last message you leave them with? Um, the last message I would leave them with is about uh, the power of gratitude. And under the gratitude topic for me, um, a couple of things uh, live there. Like I, I think about uh, a couple of the specific practices that I've, uh, that I've taken on and I've taught to 10,000 tens of thousands of women. Uh, and, and one of them is just uh, giving your husband or boyfriend three gratitudes a day. And uh, so I remember I had a student once, uh, Isabella, who really did not like this assignment. She didn't want to do it. And she said, why should I do this? I do everything. And he doesn't appreciate me. And I don't know what I'm going to find to be grateful for because he doesn't do anything. But she just dug deep. She just, she agreed she would try it for a week, three a day. And she, so she thanked him for taking out the trash and she thanked him for watching the baby while she went to exercise. And she also thanked him for working hard to support the family, even though she worked also, but you yeah. know, yeah. So <laughs> support, she thanked him for the support. And um, anyway, so she, she got to the second day of just, you know, really opening her eyes wide to find the gratitude. And as they were sitting down to dinner, he said, you've really taught me that we need to appreciate each other more. So I want to thank you for making dinner. And she just nearly fell out of her chair because of just in two days, she created a culture of gratitude. And when you focus on what you don't have, uh, you'll never have enough, right? Because that's your focus. What you focus on increases. So um, I took this one step further and uh, 
I have what I call this spouse fulfilling prophecy, which I learned from Lee Miltier, actually, who teaches, she taught a class years ago on power of auto-suggestion. And uh, she had a student who realized in this class that she was auto-suggesting the wrong thing to her husband. She was saying to him, um, that's just like you to lose your temper. You always lose your temper. You're, and so she was creating more of what she focused on. Exactly. So she left Lee's class and said, I'm going to change that up. What can it hurt? Right. So she went home, waited for him to lose his temper. She didn't have to wait long. And then she said, that's not like you to lose your temper. And he just looked at her funny. And their 12 year old son said, yes, it is mom. He always loses his temper because who had he been listening to? Right. So, but she stuck with it. She decided to keep saying, um, that's not like you to lose your temper whenever she saw the, the opportunity. And not too long after that, they were at a restaurant and the service was slow and the husband started to get upset. He was fuming. He's like, I have a good mind to call the manager over here and tell him how long we've been waiting. And then he stopped himself and he said, you know what? That's not like me to lose my temper, is it? And she just nearly fell on the floor, right? So that's where I learned about being able to use spouse fulfilling prophecy. And uh, it's been very powerful. It's a, a tool where you focus on your blessings, yes. even about the experience you're having with someone else. Uh, so I came up with one. Uh, I was upset about my husband not making enough money. Mm -hmm. And I'm such a powerful manifester. I kept saying, why don't you get a raise? Why don't you get a better job? He heard you don't make enough. He stopped making any. That's how mm -hmm. good I am at manifesting what I focus <laughs> on. All of us, right? Not just me. Yep. Yep. And uh, so I came up with, uh, you're such a good provider as my spouse fulfilling prophecy. And I also started calling him Mr. Moneybags just for fun. And not long after that, my husband started his own company. He'd never done that before. And he became more successful than he'd been at his jobs ever before. And he had that company for almost 20 years. Um, so I had a completely different experience when yeah. I changed my focus to what I was grateful for. Exactly. Because it was, it was the input language that we're, we're using and how we're reprogramming. And you, I mean, whether you are doing it or someone is doing it outside of you, it's reprogramming of our subconscious. And that dictates 95% of our actions, reactions and interactions every day. And according so you just did that, which is amazing. Okay. So power of gratitude. And I love that because yes, I, I, I used that and especially used it over this past year and a half since the pandemic hit. And it's the, I call it the, the gratitude lens and the power of looking at the abundance perspective rather than the scarcity perspective. And that really has helped us through such a, a difficult time being away from family, we're expats. So, you know, being away from family, being isolated, like fearing what's going to happen next and all of that. And I just focused on being grateful, having a home, being safe, having food, um, being able to have access to healthcare, God forbid, if anything happened and trying not to focus on what I can't control. And beyond that is just being well, grateful and focus on what we can control. I know my son, he's only 10, but he was like, okay, I was supporting him and trying. He's like, but I hate Corona. I'm like, honey, no one does. No one, no one really no one did. It. <laughs> yeah. But, but still, you know, be grateful. You can still do school. It's virtually, you have access to a computer where you can study, you can, you know, kind of touch base with your friends and all of this. And, and it was that. And um, as you said, even within the relationships, even the simplest things as thank you, I trust you, I believe in you, you can do this. These are such powerful gratitude um, affirmations that we, like a lot of us don't choose enough. 
And I think that's, so that's, true. that's basically it. You can speak greatness into other people by focusing on their best qualities too. That is it in a nutshell. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Laura, this has been, well, fascinating and intriguing at the same time. So thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and sharing your experience and sharing your energy. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> Where can our viewers and listeners find you in virtual space? Well, I have something fun going on right now. We have the Adored Wife Roadmap okay. uh, that you can download for free at lauradoyle.org. It also explains the three common mistakes that a lot of women make when they're trying to get their husband's affection or his time or his attention. Okay. That's amazing. So lauradoyle.org. That's where everyone will be going. We'll be including all your um, social media platforms or all your online presence uh, um, channels anyway, in the show notes for people to visit. Thank you so much. Once again, this has been really amazing. And um, as for you, well, um, empowered wife and empowered to grow, they go hand in hand. So um, you empower yourself. And when you empower yourself and when you grow into your, the best version of yourself possible, everyone else just wants to get on board. And that's the best that you can do for you. So I wish you love, abundance and prosperity. Thank you and see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Empowered to Grow podcast. For further engagement with a tribe of empowered women, join my Facebook group, Empowered to Grow, or visit my website, www.hananelbasha.com. I'll catch you on the next episode. And until then, know that empowered you empowers others. Love, abundance, and prosperity to you all.